You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Army Staff Sergeant Michael Kotcher was injured as a result of a mortar attack in Afghanistan on June 18, 2008. In 2017, he started competing in Taekwondo to help improve his mental health and confidence. He won a silver medal at the 2017 Pan Am Invitational and recently represented the United States at the Parapan American Games in Chile. Let's talk to him. So, Michael, I want to talk a uh mostly about Taekwondo, but for those that, that may not know you personally, I'd love for you to just kind of give a brief overview of who you are and, and a little bit about your military service and then how you got into Taekwondo. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Michael Kotcher. I was in the National Guard for a little over 11 and a half years. I deployed to Germany, Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan in 2008. In Afghanistan, I got injured. Um condensing a lot into a little and mm-hmm. cutting out all the mediocre part mediocrity mediocre parts um i in, amongst my injuries i ended up becoming a left above elbow amputee um part of my recovery and a lot of what i use to rebuild self confidence and get back into the world and find my normalcy was re-involvement in the world of sports so i started competing paralympically in track and field i did three invictus games i did three warrior games i was what i like to deem myself very successful at both levels um at which time and point i decided to start competing paralympically and i went as far as 2016 in track and field and then as per my own definition, I aged out. The younger generation was coming through, plenty of mentors. There's nothing that, I mean, there's always things people can add, but the level that they were looking to get to was above the level I can provide. So I kind of stepped away from track and field, figured out that the next journey in life I wanted to be was a physical education teacher and figure out a way to include adaptive sports into the curriculum of physical education and health ed. And prime example is taking like we're in a segment for two weeks and we're doing basketball and then go find a nonprofit organization that has some wheelchair basketball wheelchairs that might lend it to me. um, So I could then for the following week, put the kids in a basketball chair, teach them rules about wheelchair basketball or volleyball, which is a little easier, drop the net down and then play seated volleyball and go along that route. Um, Amongst that, I also used sports as a way to um, hide a lot of my addiction issues, Um, not being able to handle the PTSD, the depression and stuff like that. I had uh, substance abuse issues. And the best way to hide it is to show that you're accomplished. And then it seems like less people look at things that might be a problem because there is success. And uh, fortunately, now I got sober back in 
2017. Awesome. Um, I've been sober since then. And um, right after that first semester, um, going back to mental health, I almost started picking up a drink again because I had retired from track and field the year prior to start school to become the physical education teacher, um, which I only have one semester left. Knock on wood, God willing. <laughs> That's awesome, uh, man. But I felt I fell short of uh, keeping on top of my mental health. I started falling into a really dark place, almost picked the bottle back up. A couple guys saw this happening and uh, they were trying to recruit me into Taekwondo probably starting 20, 2014, 2015, about there. And it was like, I've never taken a day of martial arts in my life. Like maybe a free trial when I was like eight or nine or something for like three or four days, but not enough to be significant. Um, So I always shot it down, shot it down, shot it down. They convinced me to come out to nationals, which I believe was in Charlotte at the time. And um, I told them I'm not competing, not competing. I'll come out, I'll support they brought all the gear for me, everything I needed. They didn't tell me. They registered me. They put me on the map. I lost horribly. I think uh, 40. I did. I personally didn't score any points. I think I lost like 43 to three. The only three points I got was from what are called gum johns or penalties. Like if you uh-huh. kick below the waist or in the head or step out of the ring or something like that. Um you'll get gum jumps, but instead of having a point deducted, it's just given to the other person. So the only points I got was from that. And, um, I came home and being the type of person that I am, I lose very graciously. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) I, uh, found a school within that week, started training and, um, the very next uh, month, I went to a competition in Costa Rica, took third, went to Portugal a couple months later, uh, which I think was like my third or fourth competition, took a silver. Um, early on in my career, I was very successful because of the depth of the field. And I say this very openly, like I'm currently ranked 16th in the world, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm the 16th best person. Mm. I'm, it's uh, It's very event oriented it's very i you can structure yourself to get into the paralympics um just by competing not necessarily by winning um which has its pros and cons i mean if you have that kind of dedication i i really i'm not going to knock it if i was younger and i wasn't 43 and i had this support and i wasn't uh, father of one and father to be soon of two mm-hmm. and not in school and <laughs> <laughs> probably find a way to make this, that be my path as well. Um, but I'm currently sitting 16th in the world, um, Paralympically. Um, and there's a lot of great things happening in the sport as a whole. Um, I know from the, from the, U.S. side, we're we're finally getting athlete, and and I don't mean to make it sound so connotative, but um, 
We had a great program director um, by the name of Adrian Gonzalez. She set the program up in motion. She got um, athlete funding coming in. She got set up where we got camps coming in. Um, we have some of the best training, access to psych, um, sports psychology, um, the 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 cycle and the strength and conditioning programs and the way that the direction of the program is going currently um are on the up and up for the sparring side um there's a lot of different ways that you can qualify for sparring um in taekwondo paralympically uh the most obvious would be um amputation or limb differential underdeveloped limbs um i believe and some of this needs to be um fact-checked i will say that because i'm not sure i know they're expanding all the categories um so i know that like um range of motion qualifies you i know like brachial plexus or lack of limb use qualifies you what they're adding in is limb differential of the feet i believe for sparring um i believe that they're going to be bringing back well there's talks of this is more on the the further down the line um bringing back um like cp and and stuff like that but the the sport right now is at a point of growth when i came in i think in my division there was like 30 maybe 30 athletes altogether. And now there's close to probably 200. So globally, it's growing. In the United States, it's a very slow process. Um, Trying to find recruitment and stuff like that's kind of um, on the harder side. Um, World Taekwondo Federation is also opening up Pumse. Um, And and in the U.S., we have a, a phenomenal Pumse uh program and i don't think there is enough athletes that know about pumse and pumse is specific uh i I would say majority targeted towards the intellectually disabled Hmm. or several palsy um there is a limb differential i believe the limb differential in the lower extremities has to be like seven 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 centimeter difference um again don't quote me on that because i'm not a classifier or certifier but i know that there's um pumse is a great way to get out um and just stay mentally sharp um even if you you're looking for something non-contact um it takes a lot of core strength it takes a lot of fast rapid movement and um it's I, I was never into Taekwondo um, growing up or any martial art, um, even when I'm done competing, which I know probably will be the end of my 2024 season. 2024 run will probably be my last. I know 2028's at LA and we have some free slots given to the home country, mm-hmm. but I mean, I will be 45 competing against 19 year olds. And I mean, I feel like mentally I can do it, but the thing is just how far do I want to stretch out my life? Um, I'll have two kids, hopefully be working on another. Um, 
and uh, I'll be a full-time teacher by the time the next Paralympics roll around. So, I mean, it would be great PR. It'd be a great storyline, but uh, <laughs> I got to find the time to make sure I can. I, I'm not stretching myself too thin, and I'm keeping my priorities straight. Um, but in the United States, uh, there's a great development with um, with uh, Taekwondo, um, both in sparring and Pumse. And I know even after I'm done competing, talking with some of the coaches and the heads that are in the program, that they want me to stick around from a leadership or mentorish uh, mm-hmm. perspective because of my mentality and mind frame. Um, I don't really sugarcoat anything, which has its pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but um, I try to I try to be as supportive as I can. I try to get athletes mentally ready when I'm around them. I also try and keep it light and fun because if you're not having fun when you're doing what you're doing, especially in a sport when it's all competition, I always say if you're not having fun, you're not really all in and there's no point in competing and dumping all the money into a sport if you're not 100 percent all in and i i have to go back to obviously that time when you you know your very first match that you weren't expected to be in and you (laughs) lost 43 to 3 what what possessed you to what is it about taekwondo that that then brought you back that following week to sign up and say i want to do it what is it about the sport? I don't know if it was necessarily about the sport or the fact that I'm such a gracious non-winner. <laughs> um, but it what, what intrigued me about it to continue pursuing post was the camaraderie of the sport. Um, even now, it, there are so many athletes that we communicate past language barriers. We, we use Google translate going back and forth, the support team between us athletes, the ones that speak English. And it's really a great community. And I mean, so many of us are friends. There's very, I, I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't even know if there's a single athlete out of probably the 200 and I don't know what 200 plus that are in my class where I can look at an athlete and say, I don't like you Hmm. Um, or I have an issue with you or, you know, I want to go out there and I want to like, I want to fight that person so bad. Like I am dying to get that matchup. I can say there's athletes I want to spar against because I feel like I match up good. There are athletes that I know that are better than me. Like, outclass and it's like i don't want to fight them yet i want to refight them say in another year and see where i'm at um and and really that's that's how it is and it's an ever-growing sport it's constantly evolving um and i think that's one of the things that kept me in it was the changing of the sport the changing of the guard the newer athletes um having to evolve the way you fight and constantly staying on your toes and um in the camaraderie like just as a whole with the team with the with the other fighters the other countries um other countries coaches it's just such an amazing environment 
Um, even with all the hiccups that may happen at events, and it's not because it's Taekwondo, it's as a whole, I don't care what sport you're in. Um, there's hiccups in every sport, almost at every event. And who tell me somebody that does that an event doesn't have a hiccup. And I will show you somebody that is probably stretching the truth a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I know that you've been in the sport for a while now. And so I know that you're probably interacting with uh, new athletes or, or maybe even having opportunities to introduce athletes to the sport. How do you describe Taekwondo to maybe someone that has never done it? it you know, on weekends, just for, cause I'm, I'm very introverted. Um, I, drive Lyft and Uber occasionally on weekends, just so I could get a social um, interactions with random people. And it's not for any other reason than just so I could say like, I'm getting my daily dose of human humanity. Um, And it helps me understand where society lies to, I feel like as a whole. Um, And it comes up in conversation a lot about the sport and they think it's like jujitsu or karate or judo. And, um, and I explain the sport, how it's only kicking from waist to shoulders. Um, Target areas are the ribs and the kidney area. It's very padded. It's, it's not impactful occasionally you'll get like a punch to the chest guard because there's no headshots mm-hmm. um occasionally you'll get kicked when you're off caught off guard and it's like oh i felt that one because you're not bracing for it so you feel it more but it's a it's a it's a very cardio active sport mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I could get on a treadmill I could get on a rower I could get on a bike and I could go forever I go five minutes in a Taekwondo match and I'm trying to pace myself. And it's like, I have lung capacity issues to begin with, but it's Mm -hmm. like, I just get sucked out after three minutes, maybe three and a half minutes. And I'm looking at the clock, hoping to see like 45 seconds. And it's like a minute and a half, two minutes. And I'm like, Oh, and I think I make that face that these young kids are then are like, yep got them now i'll pick up the pace uh-huh. and then it's uh, a fight for survival and <laughs> i mean in a way um but it's i love it i love the adrenaline rush i love the adrenaline dump um and even at my school i train in wake forest at a place um i'm gonna do a plug shamelessly at <laughs> uh core performance taekwondo in wake forest and we have a phenomenal group of, of athletes there we just went to team trials he had three athletes that almost made the junior team trials um and then we had uh two other um athletes that went for the master's division uh one took i believe a gold and the other took uh, a bronze and then i myself qualified for the paralympic qualifier in dominican republic um later in april Mm. and hopefully i perform well enough there that i can get my ticket punched to the paralympics in 2024 and then i can retire happy (laughs) I was going to ask you where you, where that stood. So, um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned like jujitsu and karate. 
Um, how also would you describe the difference? Because some people just see martial arts and it's all like a blur and it's all the same to them. So what is the difference or maybe the main difference or differences uh, between Taekwondo and some of the other forms of martial arts? I will describe, again, I'm not really born into the martial arts world and I don't know if I could do justice in describing describing it well but um with taekwondo it is predominantly all kicks um to the head or to the upper body so for olympic athletes um athletes without disabilities they target the head which has a separate point value than um the body shots um punches count in the paralympic world um it's only to the body and chest area and we don't score for punches and it's strictly all kicks um with judo it's grappling and uh hip tossing Mm -hmm. i don't know i do see them start occasionally or at least i believe i've seen them start from the ground a couple times but i know predominantly judo is more uh upper body strength and core you grapple you hook and you toss um with uh jujitsu it's everything from standing grappling to ground grappling and trying it almost like roman greco style but with more submissions with roman greco style it's like you're standing up you go to the ground and and you're trying to pin with uh jujitsu it's i would say it's probably more similar to wrestling but then it entails this huge aspect of submissions where you're trying to immobilize your partner for points. Um, as for like Wang Chung, there's, I don't know, probably an astronomical number because I have no basis, like 200 types of martial arts out there. Right. Um, yeah, we, we don't have to go through them all. That's for sure. <laughs> I know Wang Chung is very um, speed and hand oriented, uh-huh. a lot of slaps and punches. Um, but it's a lot of the martial arts have their own very, like, this is my lane and this is where I walk in. And, um, after, after I get done with Taekwondo, if I get done with Taekwondo, um, I, I think I would like to explore probably jujitsu, but only having one arm. Um, it's a very difficult sport to get into. And um, take me through kind of like a basic match. So obviously if you go, um, I know that you uh, got to go to Chile, right? For the pair of Pan Am games. Um, yes, sir. And so um, take me through like what an athlete would, would, would experience at a match, uh, their, their very first match. So um, post-classification, they then get assigned a weight class. Um, And for me personally, my weight class is in kilos, so it would be a minus 80 weight class and whatever the category is. So I'm a K44, which is, um, I call it above elbow, but I mean, you can be below, or I I call it the below elbow category, but there are like people who, who... are above elbow amputees that fall in the category because of range of motion and strength and some other factors, which is why I'm in that category. Um, 
but there's there are several different categories that you classify in. Once you get classified, you're assigned your weight class and you stay in that weight class per the quad. The quad is every four years, which is your Paralympic cycle. So even if you come in, let's just say in 2023, your quad really isn't a quad. It's a single year because it'll be over in 2024 and you restart. So typically we go when we show up to Chile, the first thing I do because I'm I'm a bigger, heavier person, um, I find a scale. I step on the scale that's going to put me in a good bracket of how much do I weigh at the sea level in the environment, you know, at the, in this country. Um, and then from there, we, we spend the next two or three days, um, getting acclimated, training, working out, conditioning, um, and prep two to three days before the competition. Um, the day before the competition, we'll all weigh in and, um, the following day, there will be what's called a random weigh-in and they randomly select X amount of athletes. And we're given a 3% leeway uh, from the weight that we weigh in at. So if I'm at um, 80 kilo, if I'm at seven, we'll say 70 kilo, I'm allowed to go up to, I'm horrible at math. So we'll say 73 kilo just to keep numbers simple. If I'm over the 73, the 3%, then I'm disqualified from competing. Oh, okay. Um, should you be able to compete and you make it through that, you get your brackets, you have your matches. Uh, there's typically uh, two first round buys and then everybody else basically fights into metal position. And from there, it's we warm up together. We're all in a shared space with 10, 15, 20 other countries. We're all like mm -hmm. kind of watching each other, sizing each other up, having fun, joking, uh, supporting each other, watching each other's matches, trying to figure out, you know, who am I fighting next? Should I get out of this round? Whatever, like whatever your, your thought process is. And then you get ready and they call your name and you put on your gear and put on your sensors and you, you get ready to walk on the mat and you have this huge adrenaline dump. Cause you're like, yeah, I'm about to go fight. Um, and, uh, after they check your sensors and everything else, you're walking out on the mat and you have one round for five minutes mm -hmm. to score as many points and, or not let them score more than you, which is more my scenario. Like I try to prevent them from scoring more so than score as many points as I can. Um, <laughs> so there's an so, offensive and a defensive strategy, right? Very much so. And uh, I'll start off very offensively, um, building my tempo, playing around with a little bit, but def definitively the last probably two, two and a half minutes, it becomes a more of a defensive game than offensive game more than anything. And it's very chess matchy. Um, you're probably in a side to side. I'd probably say a 15 foot ring. You can't step on the outside of the ring or you, the, your opponent will get a point mm. and it becomes a very chest match strategic game of kicking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, sometimes you're going one for one. Other times you're trying to throw three, four kicks. Other times you're defending like one kick that may turn into a flurry of six or seven kicks. And you're really trying to keep momentum on your side. And if you get into trouble, the coaches are allowed to challenge one once per match. 
Um, should they get that challenge correct, they're allowed a second challenge. If they lose the challenge, then the card's taken away, and the only other break you'll have is a, is, is a timeout. Or vice versa, they'll call the timeout, and then just they might see something that might buy you time, challenge something, and then while they're reviewing it, they'll be like, hey, this is what you need to do. Here's the adjustments. And uh, you're you're kind of getting the timeout without getting the timeout. Um, and then after five minutes, it's you look at the scoreboard and they announce whether you win or lost. And um, you get ready for your next match or you get ready to support the rest of your team and and um, and continue having fun and enjoying the event for what it is and enjoying the environment, because that's what it's ultimately about for me. Anyhow, is. Yeah, I when I step on the mat, I don't think there's anybody on in the world that wants to win more than me. And I honestly do believe that there's not a person out there that wants to win more. Mm. However, the reality is I'm 43 going up against 19 and 20 year olds, conditioning, physiology, life circumstances, everything else. So all I could do is get on the mat, have the desire more fight with everything out there and walk off the mat knowing there is literally nothing more I could ever have ever done. And that's how I fight every match. Yeah. So we talked a lot, a little bit about obviously his strategy. So it's not just a physical sport. It's also a mental and strategy sport. So how does that come into play? For, I, I could tell you what, I had a huge mental collapse down at the Pan Am games. I looked at the bracket and I don't know if it was overconfidence, if it was uh, life structure. Um, I couldn't control my ADHD and my brain started wandering, a combination of everything as a whole. Um, but I went up 15 nothing. There was two minutes left in the match. The coach from, I was fighting Brazil at the time. Well, maybe it wasn't 15 nothing, but I was up a good amount. Mm -hmm. um the brazil coach called the timeout made adjustments um i went back to my corner i talked to my coach he continued telling me these are the things that are going well and stay focused on these and then i just had a snowball effect happen where like my brain started snowballing and then he got a couple good shots on me and then his tempo started increasing and then i started watching the scoreboard i started panicking and because i couldn't keep everything in control and organized in my brain it just kind of ran rampant and it's like afterwards like i still feel like physically there's not anything more i could have done but mentally if i could have controlled Mm. internal thought process mm -hmm. i feel like i would have had better fights and i would have gotten further in the competition um but the reality is it's just i i got everything i wanted and mentally it just didn't line up physically and environmentally so um yeah i ended up uh being eliminated after my second round and um i then supported um everybody else that i that i truly like that i have good relationships with <laughs> yeah yeah so it is as much mental as it is as it is physical and how do you michael how do you physically train what are besides obviously working on tactics and strategy how do you physically train uh to compete in the sport of taekwondo um at the school that i go to in in wake forest uh it's four 
four hard days a week. Like when we start, we start and it's, it's like, it's a maybe 10 minute warm up, And then we start tempoing up for almost two hours, uh, four to five days a week. Um, and then I work out on my own cardio wise and everything else. Um, wherever I can find time in my hectic schedule between school, fatherhood, husband, uh, work <laughs> and traveling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, anything else that we've not talked about, about the sport that you want to just mention? Um, I, I believe it's a sport that has a lot of potential for a lot of people, um, to grow and improve and try. Um, it has a phenomenal development program and I mean, really phenomenal top notch for the intellectually disabled and limb deferentials in Pumse. Everybody hates Pumse, um, that are athletes that want to spar. But that being said, I won't take anything away from Pumse because I can't do it. Like I watch them do it. They have a free sparring or a free Pumse, a freestyle Pumse. They have the forms and, um, it, it really showcases, the ability when you, and I hate saying you see somebody with a disability, it right. really transforms what you see when you see them. Um, and I don't think enough athletes, especially CP athletes, um, have, I don't know if it's confidence or, or get blinded by, well, it emphasizes my my movements or lack thereof but really what it is showcasing is just the opposite like we we know as a person with ms or several palsy or um something congenital um like um spinal bifida or something like that um that you have these limitations and we see that you doing a sport that you shouldn't be able to do, or you're doing uh, a form that you shouldn't be able to do. And it's literally just the opposite of how a lot of people look at it. Um, and I, and I used to say the same thing. Like when I'm sparring against people with two arms, they say it's not fair because I'm sparring against someone that might be a wrist disarticulate. And it, and to me, I'm like, but when I go up 12 points and I lose a match, I didn't lose because I'm missing two arms. I'm missing because of other factors. Cause I was up 12, nothing. I was up 10, nothing. I was up six, nothing. So it's not the fact of fair or not fair. Something happened in the match that caused whether it be mental or physiologically or, or conditioning, which, or like my brain just gets away from me. Um, it's it really allows me to say my disability did not impact my performance. It was what I was doing, not per se my disability. 